Monday, Tet Zayin Kislev, Tavshin Ayin Hey. We are coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> A listener favorite, a classic, Shlomo Artsy, Shir Baboker Baboker. Most people know it as Pitom. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your day. We are on live, live, I say, each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, which is 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time. And of course, whenever you want to listen to us on demand, whether on the Nachum Siegel Website, NachumSiegel.com, or via the podcasts and the Nachum Siegel Network app. Go to iTunes, look for us, you'll love it. It's the greatest. It's the latest and it's the greatest. Um, lots of stuff for today. We're probably not going to get to all of it, so we'll have stuff for next week. Israel is going towards elections. Today is the final vote. I mean, if there's going to be some, some major surprise, it will have to come today. 
um, if it hasn't yet. We're going to check. But the, today the Knesset is supposed to be voting to um, to dissolve itself, as they say, and to um, call for new elections. Very complicated, very interesting, and we'll try during these uh, next months, the three months, 90 days or so, between now and the elections, to um, – is it three months? It's actually more than three months, I believe – to uh, keep you informed as we do – as we count down to the Israeli elections. Later on in the show, right after the next song, we'll actually start it. So it's not too much later on. Stay tuned. Stay with us. Clips from an amazing, amazing interview with Rafi Eitan. Rafi Eitan was Jonathan Pollard's handler when Jonathan Pollard was a spy for Israel. And he reveals for the first time some details that I don't think we were aware of in the Jonathan Pollard spy case. Uh, riveting, riveting stuff. Stay tuned. A uh, new song that it's re- it was released two years ago, November of 2012, but I heard it for the first time last week. I fell in love with it and said this must be something that the listeners of The Israel Show will enjoy. It's called, it's very short. It's a very short song, less than a minute and a half. It's a children's song, but both the melody and the words are so cute. It's called Dibure Pashtida. Pashtida is a pie or a quiche in Hebrew, and it's about people sitting in a, in a bit cafe, like a cafe. There you go. Um, and w- what do they talk about when they're sitting around in a cafe? Nothing much. Diburei, manishma, tov toda, tov toda, how are you? Thank God, thank you, very well, thank you. Oh, ulaygam emily teshevi tamkach, tazmina kotz mistapuzim, you know, let's order, and so forth and so forth. Just little nothings that people say as they sit around in the Beit Cafe, and therefore it's called Diburei Pashtida. Hope you'll enjoy it. It's from an album called Anan Al-Makel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I love it. It's so cute. It's just so cute. A little short, but very cute. Dibure Pashtida, off of the album Anan Al Makel. It's a kid's album, children's album. Still looking for more information on that song. But we do have a, a uh, link 
to the YouTube of the song. I believe it's a YouTube. Do we have that? I'll check. But hope if we do, it'll be posted on our Facebook page immediately following the show. Um, Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show, coming to you live on the Nachum Siegel Network. So as we promised, we'll begin um, telling you about an interview that took place last week, was broadcast on Israeli television. This is an interview with a man by the name of Rafi Eitan. Many people who are not intimately familiar with Israel and its politics, its history, may not know the name Rafi Eitan. He is today 88 years old. If you'd see him walking down the street, whether today or even 30 years ago, short, thick glasses, slightly disheveled, you know the last thing you'd guess about him? is that he was one of the Mossad's leading operatives and handlers. And, you know, we'll probably never fully know what he accomplished in his life, a life that he devoted to the safety and security of Israel, because most of what he did is secret and will remain secret. But we do know about two of his missions. One was a huge success and one was a colossal failure. Rafi Eitan was part of the small group of Mossad agents that caught Adolf Eichmann in Argentina, snuck him out of there to Israel to stand trial in the early 1950s. And that was his big success that we know about. But Rafi Eitan was also Jonathan Pollard's Mossad handler. And when he went public last week, he revealed details that we never heard before about the Jonathan Pollard affair. And we're going to share some of the clips from the interview, some select clips, but let's remember something. We have to open with this, uh, with this disclaimer, if you will. This man, Rafi Eitan, spent his life lying. <laughs> That's the bottom line. A man, a spy, if you will, lives inside a web of lies. He, he sounds very credible in the interview, very credible, but that's what he's good at, and that's why he was extraordinarily successful as a spy. In the interview, he talks about how he recruited Pollard, meeting him for the first time in Paris. He claims that his original plan was to use Pollard for a limited time to get certain information and then freeze him, meaning, you know, that Israel would would not continue to uh, use him. Because of the concern that with time Pollard would become less careful, sloppy, and so forth, and get caught, and uh, and the fact that he would get caught in the United States as a Jew in the United States was a great concern to him, he says. And he, Eitan also claims that just before he was captured, about three months before, he was um, and and he was ready at that moment to freeze him out. He was pressured by Israeli army intelligence to keep Pollard active, and he gave in, and he did. And then several months later, Pollard is caught. Um, now, we're going to go back, we'll try and tell the story, specifically the story of the days during which Pollard is found out and uh, and ultimately taken in, arrested by the CIA. So, there comes a point in time that the CIA understands that they have a spy and that Jonathan Pollard might be this spy. And he's being followed. He's being followed by the CIA, but he's not arrested yet. He still is doing his job. He's going home at night, coming to work in the morning. 
And Rafi Eitan claims in the interview that at this point, three days before Jonathan Pollard's arrest, he says he sent Pollard a previously agreed upon code word. A code meaning get out, get out of the country, and included specific escape plans that they had given him and rehearsed with him in the past. This is, I think, the first time that there is such a revelation, if true, that Israel warned Jonathan Pollard and gave him the ability to get out of the the United States before getting arrested. One has to assume that whatever this escape plan that the Mossad had for him was one that would allow him to get out of the country without being detected by the CIA, because one would imagine whatever escape plan it is, you can't just walk over. You know, the CIA probably puts you on a list if you just walk up with your passport to, 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 to the counter at JFK to get on a plane to Israel. So, Eitan claims in this interview for the first time that Jonathan and Ann Pollard could have gotten out but Pollard ignored the instructions. Here it is. There was an escape plan. It did not go via the Israeli embassy in Washington, he says. Now, the three days go by. The noose is tightening around the Pollards. Rafi Eitan claims that he almost begged him to get out. And they, Jonathan and his wife, Jonathan Jonathan and his wife Anne, are about to be arrested. They pack two suitcases of secret documents and drive to the Israeli embassy. They drive up to the up the ramp to the door of the garage of the Israeli embassy. They're met by Israeli security. And he says, I'm Jonathan Pollard and I want you to grant us asylum. This is uh, this is uh, Ann Pollard, his wife at the time, Describing the situation as they were outside of the embassy. They were greeted by, I believe, two security guards whom I've never seen before. We we, uh, we stayed in our car, the bottom of this driveway ramp, while my husband spoke with the security guards in Hebrew. So Jonathan Pollard is trying to convince the guards as he speaks to them in Hebrew, tells them who he is, and wants to seek refuge in the. Israeli embassy in Washington. So what happens? The Israeli embassy calls Jerusalem to get orders. What do we do? There's a man outside claiming to be a spy for Israel, for the Mossad, under your control, Mr. Eitan. What do we do? And this is really the climax for Rafi Eitan at this point. He says, I get a call from the embassy asking what to do. The pilots are at the gate asking for refuge. So the interviewer says, interviewer asks him, what are you thinking at that moment? And he says, just very coldly, you have to hear it, we'll play it in a second. What are you thinking? I'm not thinking. I tell them without hesitation, throw them out. Get them away from there. And I have no regrets, he says. Listen. 
פה קיבלתי את ההודעה שהוא עומד בפתח השגרירות. ממי אתה מקבל אותה? בטלפון האדום מהשגרירות. מה אתה אומר לעצמך? אני לא אומר, אני מיד אומר, תזרקו אותו החוצה. ככה אתה אומר? כן. אני לא מתחרט. תזרקו אותו החוצה. He says, throw him out, and then he pauses and says, אני לא מתחרט, I have no regrets. Which one would think is a rather callous and cold-hearted, maybe even evil decision. Here's a man, Jonathan Pollard and his wife, who did so much for Israel. You're his handler. How could you not have compassion? How can you throw them out? Rafi Eitan answers that question. In the continuation of the interview, which we will get to, we'll take a, another break for a song, and we'll come right back with the conclusion, Rafi Eitan trying to explain how it is that he gave this order to throw Jonathan Pollard out, so to speak, of the grounds of the Israeli embassy as he came to seek asylum from the country that he helped so much. My name is Mayor Wangat, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank <laughs> you. 
My name is Maya Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are uh, in midst of uh, the story of Jonathan Pollard, as told by Rafi Eitan, his Mossad handler, who is now 88 years old, who gave an interview last week to Israeli television, I believe it was on Channel 2, um, in which he discloses that, A, he wanted to stop Pollard's spying for Israel earlier on because he was afraid that he would get caught. But there was pressure from Israeli military intelligence to continue, and he gave into that pressure. Two, he reveals that the Mossad had a an agreed-upon code and a plan for him to get out of the United States in case he was caught, that he was given the code three days before he was arrested, but he chose not to uh, carry out the plan, and that when he ultimately was about to be arrested, got into his car with his wife and several suitcases of documents, um, classified documents, drove up to the Israeli embassy asking for refuge in the embassy, a sort of asylum. Now, you have to imagine what happens now. The U.S., the minute it is revealed that there was an American Jew who was spying for Israel, who was a naval intelligence officer, who had access to very sensitive material, and who gave it all, you know, to Israel. There was a huge diplomatic blow-up between America and Israel. And now imagine, had the Israeli embassy allowed this spy refuge in the walls of of the embassy, it, it really would be an untenable position. It would be a situation, as he says, that nobody would allow. There's nobody who would make a decision to allow him to come into the embassy and take refuge. There's no way for him to get out. What would he do? He would live the rest of his life in the embassy? Because the minute he would get out, he would be arrested. As long as he's in the embassy, he couldn't be arrested because that is um, considered Israel, the Israeli embassy. The embassy is considered territory of the country itself. And we're at the point after he tells the embassy on the phone, Rafi Eitan tells them to throw him out, basically, to tell Pollard to get the heck away from there. He's asked, how do you make such a decision? You were his handler, you met him, you sat face-to-face, crossed the table from him many times. You know he's going to end up in prison. How do you make such a decision? And Rafi Eitan, this, and this really gives you a little bit of an insight into a person who's in this position. He's cold, he's calculated, he makes decisions that have to ignore the emotional aspects or any other aspects. He says, I have to make a decision that's based solely, exclusively on the interests of the state of Israel. I can't allow any other considerations to affect the decision. Anyone in my position, he says, who decides otherwise is just plain wrong. 
And he says, I know that had I made any other decisions, the result would have been much worse. Rafi Eitan. People who saw this interview were commenting about how someone in his position really has to be almost without any feelings. He killed people, sometimes innocent people. He did so many, he lived, he lived the life of a lie. And yet that's what spycraft is. That's the world of the Mossad. And you sacrifice so much of yourself, life, if you will, in order to give to the greater good, to the, to the country, for the safety of the people of Israel. And you have to be so convinced of it in order to do that. Now, the interviewer continues, don't you know that you're putting him in jail? By doing this, you're putting Pollard in jail. And he answers that when he didn't follow orders, when he decided not to follow the escape route that was set for him before and he ignored the warnings three days before and decided to go to the embassy, it was his decision, Pollard's decision, that results in his going to prison. לבוא לשגרירות כפי שהוא החליט לבוא, הוא החליט בעצמו שהוא הולך לכלא. And ultimately there's a part of the interview in which Rafi Eitan shows the other side of himself, because ultimately the government of Israel has to deny any knowledge of Pollard. And Rafi Eitan says, I recruited Pollard on my own as part of a rogue operation. The government of Israel had no knowledge of it. The government does not and would never spy on our ally, the United States. It's all my responsibility. Basically, Rafi Eitan says, I'm guilty, it's all me, and he lies down in front of the coming train of U.S. anger, which is a, a heroic act, if you will. As a result, by the way, he's never allowed back into the U.S. Even years and years later, don't forget Jonathan Pollard sitting in prison now for 30 years. And even years later, when Rafi Eitan, for, for a period of time, a few years, was a minister in the state of Israel, in the government of the state of Israel, the U.S. makes it clear, if you come here, you will be arrested and tried for being the handler and spying on behalf of Israel, for the United, for, uh, on behalf of Israel in the United States. Remember that the United States was furious at Israel. Furious. There were tremendous consequences to running a spy in the heart of the U.S. intelligence establishment. And, and by the way, many people, both in Israel and in the United States, believe that Israel should never have done that. Should never have recruit allowed, uh, even though he, quite frankly, he volunteered himself, it is said, should never have allowed a Jewish citizen of the United States, to spy on behalf of Israel. But by throwing himself under the bus, Rafi Eitan allowed Israel, its leadership, plausible deniability.
and he saved the state of Israel from an even stronger and harsher U.S. reaction. And at the end of the interview, he hints strongly, although never says it straight out, that Yitzhak Shamir, Shimon Peres, and Yitzhak Rabin, the leadership of Israel at the time, all knew that Israel had a spy in the U.S. supplying invaluable information to the Israeli military, but as, as in the diplomatic world, in the public realm, Rafi Eitan said nobody knew about it, it was a rogue operation, it was all me, I just did it all on my own. Well, is he telling the truth? Did Pollard ignore orders to get out before his arrest? We we don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. I'm sure Jonathan Pollard, if he is hears about this interview, will will deny will deny it. I'm sure he sees Rafi Eitan as an evil person who um, ran him as a spy and then abandoned him at the gates of the Israeli embassy. One thing is sure, after 30 years that Jonathan Pollard is sitting in jail, it is time, it is way beyond time, that our government, the United States government, release him and let him go to Israel. He is in very difficult health situation. In fact, he is now in the hospital. It it, it is said in the news that he um, lost consciousness and... um, was sent to the hospital, he's very sick, and it is time, 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 time to let him go and live out the rest of his life, whatever he still has in Israel. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hi, this is Avrami, Managing Director of the Nachum Siegel Network and host of Saturday Night Siegel. I'd like to wish a mazel tov to Mayor Weingarten on uh, completing two great years of the Israel show. And I want to wish him much hatzlacha, much success in coming years of bringing great programming to the Nachum Siegel Network audience. My favorite Israeli song at the moment is Yonatan Scheinfeld's Imtachane off of his Kulanu Yachad CD. And I'd love to hear that now. Thank you so much, Mayor, and Mazel Tov.
Yonatan Scheinfeld, by special request of Avrami. And thank you for those good wishes, Avrami. And thank you very much for always taking care of us, for getting all the work done, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. We thank you so much for your help, as we do the entire staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, who are always wonderfully helpful in uh, everything we do. You are tuned to this show on the Nachum Siegel Network, heard also on Arutsheva English Radio. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, the organization that is devoted to making each individual's aliyah as successful as possible. Their charter flights are legendary, legendary. They commission an El Al flight. They fill it, the entire jumbo, 300 and something seats with Olim, who are going to Israel and going to make a new life in Israel, and they are giving them the respect that they deserve when they arrive in Israel. These charter flights are met by hundreds of people, family members, friends, and just everybody who's coming to welcome people who have decided to make their life in the state of Israel. And they help you with all the bureaucracy and the paperwork. They do a lot of it on the plane. It's it's genius. It's brilliant. Nefesh Benefesh is an amazing organization. We are very proud to be sponsored by them. Please do visit their website, nbn.org.il, nbn, Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il, revolutionizing Aliyah. Here's, yes, the crowd favorite, Poogie.
That one was off of the uh, last concert performance double album. My name is Mayor Wangert, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I know, I know that our audience loves Pugi. That's the feedback that we keep getting, so we'll keep playing him, and because we also love Pugi. So what's there to say? Um, this past Shabbat, we lost um, a very special person. There was Naftali Lau Lavi. Naftali Lau was the brother of the former chief rabbi of Israel, Harav Yisrael Mayor Lau. He was, for many years, a diplomat in the Israeli foreign service. He was a journalist and author. For several years, he was Israel's representative in New York, Israel's consul general in New York. He uh, led a religious Orthodox life, and um, his son, he has several children, but best known is his son, Harav Benny Lau, who is uh, a rising leader in the religious Zionist world. Author, He also is an author of quite a number of Torah books, very interesting, on the Nevi'im and so forth. Um, I'll read just a few items from the Jerusalem Post report. Journalist, author, diplomat, and international community leader and activist Naftali Lalavi died on Saturday at the age of 88. Um, he went through the Holocaust, and this is probably one of the most amazing parts of his life story. He was Yisrael Meir Lau's older brother. And as depicted in both Naftali Lau's book, <clears throat> and Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau's books, Naftali Lavi took upon himself to make sure that his younger brother survives the horrors of the Holocaust 
And in fact, he did, and he did. That is to say, Rabbi Lau, Rabbi Stroll Mayor Lau, survived the Holocaust because of his older brother. He was one of the youngest survivors, Rabbi Lau. And it was because his brother Naftali, at every moment, made sure that nothing will happen to him. And if you read their story, and I suggest that you do if you haven't, you will see the miracles that they went through. It's an amazing story of survival, of Jewish survival, and it's an amazing story of brotherhood. It's in Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau's book. In Hebrew it's called Al Tishlach Yadcha El Hanar. There's an English version. It's called Out of the Depths. It's awesome. And it is a very moving story. Unfortunately, towards the end of his life, he suffered from uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. But he did many great things in his life right after the Holocaust when he came together with his brother to to the land of Israel before it was the state of Israel. He volunteered to what was called the Mossad Bet helping out in Europe to get the displaced persons to come to Israel. He served in the army. Imagine that a young man coming out of the Holocaust and comes to Israel as many others did ready to put his life on the line, serve in the military in the, in the War of Independence, and then went on to, for, to have a very productive and commendable career in the foreign ministry and journalism. He wrote for Haaretz, he was a military correspondent for Haaretz, he served as spokesman for Moshe Dayan, Shimon Peres, Yitzhak Shamir, he also was a community activist in several organizations, including the World Jewish Restitution Organization and others. There's a very beautiful story in the Jerusalem Post about how at the age of 71, I'm sorry, no, the age of 84, which is four years ago, the 71st anniversary of his bar mitzvah, he took the members of his immediate family back to their hometown of Piotrkov in Poland. And he wanted to be called up to the Torah again as he had been. And he davened there in the shul that was reconstructed where their father, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lau, was uh, a rabbi. Now the synagogue is a public library. That's what the uh, Jerusalem Post tells us. But um, former residents of Piotrkov came from Israel, the United States, England, for the reunion and joined the Lau Lavi family on Friday night dinner and synagogue services. It's so amazing to imagine how a man, two brothers actually in this case, survived the Holocaust, go on to build homes for themselves, families for themselves, families of, of renowned leadership, Rabbi Lau's son is now the chief rabbi of Israel. What they must feel when they go back 80-something years later to the town that he grew up in, the town from which they were 
thrown out, the town, most of whose members were killed by the Nazis, including his own parents and other siblings. He did many great things, and he will be remembered, I think, in the both for his own and for the things that his brother accomplished in his life. As his brother says, he owes everything he has. He owes his life and his family and everything else to Naftali Laulavi, who saved him from the Holocaust. This song, Mikdash Melech by Yishai Ribo, is a tune, a Babava melody that has a special connection to the Lao brothers. We will feature it now as we remember this special person, Naftali Laulavi. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Shairibo with Mikdash Melech in memory of Naftali Laulavi who passed away this uh, weekend in Yerushalayim. My name is Mayor Wagner. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, we are live and that gives us the opportunity to talk about things that just happened and we don't have the time, but I do want to mention there's an amazing video that was released yesterday. It's uh, over an hour of a... Um, of a uh, dialogue that took place at the Saban conference, um, which uh, was this past uh, weekend. The Saban conference is a conference about Israel, uh, headed by former Israeli multi-gazillionaire <laughs> by the name of Mr. Saban, who owns Power Rangers, which is how he made his gazillions. And I uh, saw parts of it this morning, a little bits of it. It is fascinating, very, very interesting. We'll try and edit clips of it, share it with you uh, next week on The Israel Show. And we will close out this show with uh, Avtipus and Boker Tov Olam, Good Morning World. We'll do so after we say thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Keep it tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. All day long for the Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the end, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Sim,